Hi everyone, and welcome to Hatchling, the show for artists who need to make a living. This week, it's a very exciting episode. It's my first time interviewing another artist for the show, and I'd love to do more of these in the future. We cover a lot of topics from insecurity and imposter syndrome to finances, selling your work, pretty much anything you could think of. So I'm really excited to put this out there in the world. It is a conversation between two artists who are figuring things out as they go and just trying to make money and turn what they love to do into a career. So here's my conversation with Heather Ean Martin. You can find all the links to her in the show notes, so please check those out. She's an incredible artist and she has a lot of interesting things to say. So I'm a fine artist and I do a lot of original gouache paintings, paintings from life. I do still life and plein air work and some figurative work too. So how do you make money from your painting? Well, I do a lot of the traditional route of going through fine art galleries and doing a lot of events like plein air shows, but I also have uh, some other smaller products like prints and cards and stuff like that that I've been selling. And is this a new venture for you or have you been in the field for a while? Did you have another career before? So I've been doing this full time for just over a year now and Prior to that, I was a mobile game artist and doing a lot of digital work for nearly a decade. I would love to hear about how you made that decision to switch because it's something a lot of people struggle with knowing exactly when to pivot from doing this part-time or as a hobby or as a side gig to doing it full-time. That was a really tough decision, but I think I spent a lot of time thinking about it and listening to a lot of podcasts like yourself a lot of marketing podcasts and reading a lot of books and trying to get a little bit of a business plan beforehand and also uh, saving up a little bit of extra money. But that didn't last very long. (laughs) The padding went away pretty quickly. So (laughs) I would definitely recommend over-preparing and under-preparing. So you think that you should take more time than you expect to before you quit your job? I think so. I, I still was planning this for probably about a year but it just, it wasn't enough. I, I would have liked to do a little more research and also get a little more painting under my belt. It's funny, you seem like you were a lot more prepared than I was. I just chose to go full-time because I quit my job without even knowing what I was going to do. I didn't know if I was going to get another job, and then I thought, well, I've been thinking about going full-time and just doing art for a while, so maybe this is the right moment. And oh, nice. it was not the right moment because... <laughs> I hadn't planned anything. I had no idea how I was going to make money. It was, I mean, maybe you could say it was the right moment because it was sort of sink or swim. Like I had to make a living. Yeah. There was no safety net. Yeah, exactly. I've heard that too before where it's like you kind of need that sink or swim mentality and you need to struggle a little bit and, you know, have that fear in you. And I, I do yeah. think that's helped. I mean, that's what I try to tell people is that they shouldn't view it as, let me see if I can make a living off art. They have to go into it saying, I will do everything it takes to make a living because it's not an easy career path. It's not something that you can just get going and then sit back and enjoy it. Like you have to be fighting every single day to stay afloat. Yes. That's true. But I would have liked to know for me personally a bit more about the business aspect and taxes and, you know, sales tax. And I'm just so bad at that kind of stuff. Have you learned all that stuff now? 
slightly. I'm still pretty terrible at it, but I'm learning over time just because I'm forced to. You have to know. Yeah, sort of learn as you go. Like As you need to do things, then you just have to learn how to do them. Yeah, yeah. But even though I went to art school for illustration back in 2001, there weren't too many business classes that taught you that stuff. There were a little bit, but I don't think I was... I think I was kind of tuned out at that age, but... Well, it's interesting. I didn't go to art school, but I took art classes at my college, and I felt like people looked down on anything that was considered practical or career-minded when it came to the arts. It was sort of just focus on the expression and the statement that you're making, and I think a lot of people are feeling like they need that. Like, they need to be told how to actually live as an artist, not just how to have your identity as an artist. It's yeah. it's a whole different set of skills. Yeah, exactly. I hear that a lot from other artists as well, that they just never learned that in school. Do people ask you for advice on business stuff? They do. A lot of it is Instagram related, like how did you get so many followers <laughs> and what do you do? What's the key? What's the secret formula? But for other business stuff, you know, I just tell them to look it up online because they're going to know better through that than through me. What do you say when people say, what's the secret to Instagram? How did you get followers? I say, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's a combination of luck and posting regularly and with pretty consistent content. People want consistency. That's something that's hard for me with Instagram because I feel like it's a little bit unnatural for an artist to just stick to one style and medium. Not necessarily for a career. Of course, you build your career as a certain type of artist, but you're still trying out different ideas. And then, I mean, I guess you can just not share them. But for me, I feel like, what if I take a pottery class and like that's part of my creative output and I want to share that, but then I do and it's just <laughs> Instagram does not reward you for that. No, <laughs> they definitely don't. And that's what's good about stories, I guess, or you can make another account that you just really don't care about and you can do whatever you want. Yeah, that's what you do with your second yeah. account, right? Yeah, the the doodles is that way, but even that is kind of turning into something where I just post specific comics like I don't experiment as much as I should but it's allowing me to draw ugly and be silly and show my personality how did you develop your style do you feel boxed in by it because I do see your post and every time it comes up I don't need to even see your username I know who it is immediately (laughs) like do you feel that's something that just developed over time and that's the way you naturally paint or is it something that you felt like you devised it's definitely a natural thing like I was always searching for the certain style everyone always had a style in in school and even out of school and I just always felt lost but by painting from life I just painted I didn't think about it I just did whatever I felt like and it eventually just happened to be that way so I don't even think about that now like does this match a certain style it's just yeah whatever I feel like It's sort of like you sit down and you just say, I'm going to draw what's in front of me or paint what's in front of me, and it just comes out like that. Yeah, yeah. But I do remember also having that time period where I was like, everybody else has a style, and then I'd be like, well, I want to have that style, so then I would emulate that style, but it wouldn't feel right to me. Yeah. How did you find your style? Is it just something that came out from practice? It's funny. If you look back at when I first started posting on Instagram, it was 
because of a New Year's resolution, I just said, I'm going to post every day for a year. I had no style at that time. I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do with it. And none of it was good. (laughs) But I was trying out watercolor and I tried out brush pens and colored pencil and pencil sketches. It's strange developing as an artist on social media because it's hard for me to decide what I chose versus how that influenced me. Right. Like when I got positive feedback from other people about my crosshatching, about my ink work, uh-huh. on one hand, I felt like other people like this, but on the other hand, it really felt better when I was drawing. I felt like people are going to like this, but also maybe it feels easier. I don't know. And then eventually I just gravitated towards ink drawing and now it feels kind of bad when I do a different style because uh. it's not as good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you have so much practice within that style. Do you ever work in another medium? Um, Not really. I, I'm totally a painter. I'm not good at drawing and fine lines like cross hatching I just I've tried it and I just don't have the patience and yeah it just comes out super scratchy and scribbly but I've tried oil painting that's what I used to do back in college and I think that's why I gravitate towards gouache is because I can use it like oil paints at least the the technique that I use is very similar to oil painting I need to kind of explore different mediums I think I'd be so curious to see what an oil painting by you looks like, because I love oil painting and I love your paintings, but yeah, you must have them somewhere. You don't have them on your website, do you? Uh, No, no. My website is all gouache, kind of just because I'm also trying to keep things consistent that way. But my Instagram, I think back in 2017, I had a couple month phase where I tried getting back into oils, but it's just so messy and... Um, the smells and I'm a mm. very messy painter. I, I slap paint everywhere and there's splatters everywhere. It destroyed my whole tabletop. So gouache is just easier. Yeah. And it seems like you can get a lot more done. Right. Like, it seems like you have a really consistent output with it. Right. It dries quickly so I can actually do a painting from start to finish in an hour to three hours usually. So do you paint every single day? I try. For the most part, I do. I think I get about one done a day. On my really ambitious days, I can do two to three. I try to do at least one a day, just because I feel like it's a muscle that you need to exercise. Even if you're not in the mood for it, just sit down and do something small. Yeah, I'm wondering if you ever have to force yourself to paint. I get so many questions about what do you do on those days when you don't feel like drawing. And for me, as a career artist, that question doesn't even make sense to me anymore. I'm like, I just have to make art all the time. Uh I don't question it anymore. It's not really like, but do I want to? It's like brushing your teeth in the morning. You don't have a long thought process where you think, but I could do it another day or I don't feel like it. I'm not inspired. You just do it. Right. I don't know about you, but a lot of the times when I do kind of force myself to do something, even if it's small, it ends up being one of my better pieces sometimes and it surprises me so having that kind of feedback keeps me going even if I don't feel like it yeah that is actually interesting I think the only difference between making good art and not making good art is just whether you make art at all like that's the only deciding factor and 
I feel like people get really caught up in yeah. the idea of being inspired to do something or making something good. And I'm always just trying to drill into people's heads. You become a good artist through doing art constantly. Right. You're not going to do three drawings over the course of the year and they're all going to be great. That's just not possible. I know. You have to just practice and keep going and practice daily if you can. So did you practice daily when you were in your other career? Or was that something that came later on? I did. In fact, I almost feel like I was more productive when I had a nine to five. Seriously, like every minute of my day, I was like running to the bathroom or eating at my desk or, you know, I, I used every single minute of my life. And I was painting maybe two times a day, like once during lunch. And then I'd come home and do a painting at night every day. And now you have unlimited time so you just stretch out your work (laughs) exactly my work is getting a lot more bigger and like in detailed so I do a lot of larger pieces or pieces that take about three hours of my time instead of the 45 minutes sketches that I used to do and what about the business aspect how much of your time does that take up just fielding correspondence and reaching out to people and planning things oh my gosh It takes so much of my day and you don't even think about it because, you know, my husband just thinks I'm playing on my phone or, you know, I'm addicted to Instagram or something. But really, it's it's business. Commenting back to people and sending messages is all part of the business. Even though a lot of it is just fun, you have to think of it as this is time spent for your art career. Totally. And even the smallest comment that you respond to or a DM from someone who just says, hey, cool work, that can turn into a commission or it can turn into someone purchasing something from your website. I see a lot of the same names that I've been interacting with that never bought anything from me for two years and just responded to my stories and I chatted with them and then they became customers. So I feel like those are important relationships to build on. Right, right. And it just... You know, it's important for me to be thankful and humble and really care about all the people that have reached out to support me, even if it's just a small comment here or there. Like, I I try my best to reply. But that's getting harder over time, right? It is, yeah. I was thinking about this earlier. It's like whack-a-mole, where (laughs) you start out slow and you kind of like, you're good, but more of them pop up. You get overwhelmed and just like anxious and That's kind of how I'm feeling. It's like I can never catch up. Yeah, I feel like I'm haunted by this feeling that I've disappointed someone every single day. Right. Every day somebody has commented something and thought, you know, I never comment, but but I want to talk to this person. And then I didn't respond. I know that I've done that too. I've been like, oh, I followed this person for a while. I'm going to send them a message about how great their work is. And they never respond. And I'm like, you know what? Who do you think you are? Like, I just yeah. <laughs> feel like in my mind, they've done something horrible to me. And so I'm sure that there are so many people out there that are just thinking that I'm some jerk that didn't care enough to respond to their message. That's my fear, too. Because I've done that as well. You know, you write little fan emails or whatever to someone that you admire and don't hear back. So I try not to do that. But it's it's really hard. Yeah, I mean, you're you're gaining popularity quickly. You've gained what tens of thousands of followers over the past year right I actually looked at this the other day because it's been it's been about a year so I wanted to compare last year and I think I hit about 10,000 followers this time last year and now I'm almost 50 so 40,000 in a year which is pretty crazy I don't know. The numbers like just don't even go into my head. I just yeah, it's mind-boggling. 
I can't think about the numbers too much, and I feel like a couple thousand was the size of my university. And I was like, okay, it's like I'm sending a picture or posting a picture that everybody in my university is going to see and maybe talk about. But now you responded to one of my stories that was just a picture of my quadruple chin. <laughs> I think it was six chins, not not quadruple. <laughs> I took a photo that was just all my chins wrinkled up because I thought it looked really stupid. And <laughs> I always feel really ugly when I take selfies. So I try to lean into that and feel like I don't have to look pretty because yeah. most people don't when they open up their phone camera. You have to work really hard to look pretty. Oh, I know. So I shared that. And then I was like, wow, I just sent this ridiculous video zooming in on my chins out to 100,000 people. I can't conceptualize <laughs> that. It doesn't make any sense to me. So you just kind of have to shut that down and think, oh, I'm sending it to a few people. Like, you you can't even think about it because it's too overwhelming. And then you'll just question yourself. Yeah, but it doesn't even seem real. Like, you see the number, but it just, it doesn't compute to me. So I just still see it as, like, a couple of friends on the other side. Do you feel like you've actively worked towards gaining more followers? I know it's a touchy subject. I just talked about this in an episode about how you don't want to seem like it's all about followers, but of course that helps your business. It does. Yeah. And it's definitely made an impact about how many people reach out to me or even take me seriously. So it is something that I do keep in mind when I'm posting stuff. I try to, like I said, keep consistent work. And if I do any experimentation, it's just, you know, through my stories. So you think that it helps your reputation even outside of social media? Like when people just go and glance at your page, they'll take you seriously? Yeah, they definitely do, which is kind of sad. Because I know a lot of really, really top amazing artists with like a thousand followers or less. And it's mind boggling to me. Then when people are just looking through you know I give them my Instagram handle and then they're like oh my god you see that switch in their head where they just start to take you seriously which is kind of sad <laughs> there are so many things like that just status in our society that upset me it really does upset me on a deep level that especially that I benefit from it yeah because I can't even really fight against it because it's I mean it's a popularity contest and I hate popularity contests and I've always railed against them in yeah. my life because honestly I've always lost them <laughs> <laughs> but I guess the thing that we have to do is being aware of this, like conscious of where we are and how we've gotten there. The best thing we can do is just try to lift up others with us. So do you do that? I try. You know, I try to mention friends as much as possible. So what does an average day look like for you? Do you have a routine that you stick with? Uh, I think it's a little bit different. It all kind of revolves around what I feel like painting and what time of day I want to be painting. So morning or afternoon light is best. Actually, I kind of do a little bit of everything, but I try to pick out which lighting I want or how much work I have to do during the day. But normally I'm a night owl, so I get a lot of my work done from like 8 to midnight. <laughs> You and get your painting work done or your business work done? My business work. I try to do that at night because um, I try to get my painting done in the morning. Morning meaning like afternoon for most people. I've seen from your paintings, it seems like you work a lot at home. Like you, you have a lot of animals, you paint your garden. Is that something that you purposefully do because you've got so much going on there or because you like being at home? Uh, it's a combination of things. Right now we have two puppies, 
One is almost a year old, but the other one is, I think, five months. So I need to be home all the time and just make sure they're not getting into trouble. And I don't like creating them for too long. So usually, at least this year, I've been at home a lot so far. But I don't mind it, and I'm still inspired by a lot of things around the house, and we get a lot of great lighting. So I try to make the everyday normal things around the house into something interesting, which is a fun challenge. Yeah, I think you do a good job of that. Some of my favorite paintings of yours are just your kitchen scenes and tables and newspaper and flowers. You've got a lot of flowers, like just really simple (laughs) domestic scenes. But I wonder if you get lonely being at home all day and working on your own. You would think so, but I really don't. In fact, it's hard to get me to go out even, you know, with friends these days, which I'm turning into more of a hermit as I get older, but I love being at home and I love just being around the animals and I haven't gotten lonely so far, but it's only been a year. So you don't miss being in an office and having colleagues and people that you meet with every Uh, day. You said you had a lunchtime painting group too. You don't miss that sort of camaraderie? Well, I do miss them. A lot of them, like one has moved back to Ohio. A lot of them were actually laid off not too much later. So everyone's kind of dispersed into all these different places. And I think it's okay. I talk to a lot of people online, which is as an introvert, kind of the equivalent to being social is just chatting online and texting. Yeah, I sometimes joke that this is pretty much the only era that I would be able to make a career as an artist because I'm so inept at real life social situations and having the internet allows you to not only have people to talk to but also to be able to make business connections without really having to walk up to anybody and do it in real life. That's true although I still think that the in-person thing is really important as an artist. At galleries, at shows, or plein air events I really have to try hard to put on the happy face and be presentable and be friendly to people, which doesn't really come that naturally to me. You mentioned that you went to some art markets recently. You've been selling your art in person. It's it's going. I was definitely not feeling it the first time because it was at an event that was kind of a corporate office event. So I feel like the audience wasn't really my audience and it kind of took a blow to my ego but um, the second one was kind of more my scene with a lot of art loving people but it's still stressful so do you actually enjoy (laughs) that or is that something that you just do I enjoy it when I'm out there and doing it but before I go I definitely have a lot of nerves and I don't want to do it and you know it's like any social event for me I just I'm not into it before but during is is actually fine so you have to psych yourself up to even go there in the first place (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I find that those parts of my job where I have to teach in person or sell in person, those Mm -hmm. are the hardest things for me. There are things that stress me out for about a month in advance. And I I honestly have nightmares a few nights before I go to any of these things. And then I go and I'm just sweating so much the whole time so stressed out thinking so hard about what I'm supposed to say and what my face looks like and what people are thinking yep and I'm not like that normal situations and normal social situations so I don't know where that comes from I guess maybe it has to do with promoting yourself or yeah or trying to convince people that you're legitimate it's scary putting yourself out there and then trying to sell the stuff that you made with your own hands and I don't know I, I get nervous too 
Do you get stressed about putting a dollar amount on the work that you've done and asking people to pay that? I do. It's easier for me if it's just laid out on a sign somewhere. But if people ask me and then I have to come up with it, I, I definitely stumble over my words and get nervous and it's just insecurities, really. And I think a lot of the lack of confidence actually makes them nervous about my price, too. So I've got to learn to just be confident and know my worth. Anytime anybody asks me a price in person, I always ask for their contact info and say that I'll email them later once I've yeah. thought about it. Because I, <laughs> yep. I can't even say it in front of them because... I'm just expecting this expression from them like, oh my God, like you're not worth that. <laughs> and honestly, that has happened. And it's horrible. But some people just don't understand yeah. how much art costs. No, they don't put together all the time that you spent, all the education, you know, all the supplies that you've gone through. And yeah, your hourly wage has to include thousands of unpaid hours leading up to that. And for me, and that wasn't even in school. That was a time that I should have been working a real job. And actually, I was. I used to scoop ice cream and draw in the back of the store when there were no customers in there. And just constantly drawing. Like I was saying, you got to draw every single day. You're never going to make that money back as a thing. Oh, no. I had a lot of part-time jobs and a lot of minimum wage jobs. I worked at Murray Calendars as a hostess. And I would get like panic attacks because I had to talk to people. And that's when I started to work with animals. And I worked in a vet's office and doggy daycares. I did a lot of random odd jobs before finally snagging a career in like a graphic design place and then working out from there. And did you burn out in any way? Did it, did it have anything to do with your job, the reason why you left? Or was it just that you wanted to do art full time? I was tired of sitting in front of a computer all day and, you know, being three inches away from my monitor drawing and not doing what I was truly passionate about. And a lot of mobile game stuff, you know, it it's kind of a conflict because a lot of the games are kind of squeezing everyone's money and you know the freemium model you pay a dollar for more energy a dollar here and I just didn't like that the ethics of that personally how do you feel and about the ethics of your current job do you feel like a more like you're more comfortable with it I think I still struggle with it because now I'm kind of in this position where it's like I try to make it so everyone can afford at least something, whether it be prints or cards. Or I also try to make things that are accessible to everybody. And for me, that often means really underpricing my work. Like I sell drawings even nowadays for 20 or $30 just because I feel like, first of all, I don't think my work is worth anything, honestly, but um, <laughs> I do need to live. That's why I sell it for real prices. I want someone like me to be able to afford it, someone who isn't really financially secure but loves art and cares about it versus someone who has the money for it but maybe isn't really going to appreciate it. And I know that's impossible to tell, but yeah, I don't want it to just be rich people. I don't want art to be the domain of the rich. So I do prints and stuff like that. One thing that I like that makes it accessible is teaching art because everyone can afford a ticket to a workshop and then they can actually uh -huh. learn one-on-one -on -one right how mm -hmm. to make the things that you're making and then they don't have to pay you to do it <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you also scale your work down for the lower priced items too, right? Like you make much smaller pieces, which I've also been doing as well, like my little postcard paintings. It's more affordable, but it's still original art. And I think people can appreciate that. So how is that doing for you? Is that price point working a little better? Do you get quicker sales with that? I think so. I think anything under $100 is a more reasonable price point for a lot of the audience, at least on Instagram. I want to just give everything away. Like, that would be my dream is to just make enough money somehow, (laughs) magically, and then just, like, give it all away. But it just comes down to just being a bad marketer (laughs) and also having a little bit of imposter syndrome. What does that feel like for you? I didn't realize I had it so bad until I left and went to a plein air event with like a lot of oil painters and a lot of professionals that have been doing this for years and years. And I went there and I just felt like such a kid with my gouache paintings, you know, I'm like, these are my little gouache pieces that I have. It's not quite oil painting or transparent watercolor. And, you know, I've only been doing it for a couple of years now. And you feel like such a fraud sometimes. Like, I think you've said you've had battles with imposter syndrome. Yeah, I I struggle with that every single day. And I think what makes it worse is when other people support me, when other people buy my things or follow me, then I'm like, I have to be good now. Like, I guess I, I can't be <laughs> bad anymore. When I had just a few followers, it was like, I can be bad and it's I'm not going to let anyone down and now I feel like I let people down when I don't live up to my own expectations and I got to tell you my expectations are twice mm-hmm. as high as what I'm currently able to meet. Once in a while I like something I've done, but I rarely love something I've done and think it's really great. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if I'll ever feel that way because the thing is that you get better and your eye gets better and you start seeing right. the mistakes a little more. But I think that's what makes you so good is that you're constantly chasing something that you'll never, well, I hope you do catch, but (laughs) that you seem to never be able to catch. You have to, you have to have that moving target or else I definitely do see artists where it it feels like they've reached a certain point and they were like, okay, I can make a living doing this thing. I'll just keep doing that over and over again and selling that to people and doesn't feel like they're pushing themselves in any way. And mm-hmm. you can tell the the artists that are pushing themselves because not only do they have mental breakdowns on social media a lot. Yeah. I mean, even in subtle ways, like you can tell certain artists are like, I'm just not liking any of my work recently. But I mean, you can also just tell because they're trying different things and things mm-hmm. that don't do as well and don't sell as well. And I think you have to be doing that. It's tempting to keep producing the thing that does well and sells well. Yeah, otherwise you're not learning. And you just have to be learning. What's the point otherwise? Exactly. Uh, Whenever I do paintings, you know, there's some that I treat as like little easier kind of rest days almost where it's something that I know I can do and just enjoy the process. But then I try to do this at least a couple times a week where I pick a subject that just stresses me out and I'm like I really have no idea how this is gonna go like it's just a gamble at this point and it's a total challenge and usually things end up being for the better but I've definitely had a lot of flops too that way what's an example of a subject that always just freaks you out surprisingly it's usually the more simple subjects like very flat shapes 
uh, with not a lot going on that tend to overwhelm me. I have the exact same problem, and I also have certain subjects that they're like my comfort subjects. You know, you come home uh-huh. and you're like, I'm just going to have some mac and cheese and a cookie, you know, because it's been a hard yeah. day. And sometimes yeah. I wake up and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to draw a hand because I know how to draw hands and I feel really comfortable doing that. And uh-huh. it's, there are certain subjects that I managed to avoid for the majority of my career. And then people ask me how to draw them and I'm like, I'm going to refer you to somebody else. <laughs> like what, what would those subjects be? Well, those big landscapes I can't do. I really can't yeah. do. It's so hard because when you're using a detailed medium, it works great for drawing individual eyelashes or something. But uh-huh. when you draw a tree, that's basically a million eyelashes. And you have to uh-huh. decide which ones to show. And you do a really good job with that. You work in sort of an impressionist style and you, you pick out what you need to understand the scene. But I'm not able to really summarize images yet. Right, yeah. Is there something that you feel like you're striving towards in this part of your career? Like something that you really want to master? I think right now I'm trying to learn how to express myself a little more and simplify things yet push them, you know, to be just right to tell the story that I want to tell and give the emotion that I want to give instead of just painting the thing. Kind of like a push and pull of different elements for me. So what do you feel like that would look like? For you to express yourself through a painting because a lot of people say you know this this painting has an emotional quality to it and mm-hmm. I, don't know, I feel like that means something different to different people it does for me i'm finding a lot of uh, expressive brush strokes help but sticking with subjects that i genuinely care about really makes a difference in my artwork and you can tell in my art when I really love what I'm painting, you know, like my cat paintings always sell really well because I, I just put like all my heart into them and I really care about the subject. So you think that when you paint something that you care about, it shows through in the painting? I do. Yeah, I think so. What do you think that is? I don't know. Maybe it's just another part of me, like subconsciously that comes out and puts a little more care into things. There's a saying that when you paint someone you love, you can tell, you know, you can tell Mm -hmm. through the drawing that you care about that person. And I was thinking about this painting that you did of your husband a while ago. I think it was him (laughs) sitting on the couch or something. And it it really stuck with me. And then I've asked myself over time, is it just because you don't do a lot of portraits or is it because I was Mm -hmm. excited to like see into your life or is it because Mm -hmm. of that? quality that you just can't really describe because it was someone that you know and you care deeply about. Right. And looking back at my work, people always ask me what my favorite pieces are that I've made. And it's always family members, like my that painting of my grandpa that I did in his office. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of fond memories because as I'm painting it, I remember everything about that scene, like what type of day it was, what the weather is like, you know what he ate for lunch and I also did a painting of my mom and that's one of my favorites. I love that your paintings when I look at them I feel like I'm there like it's like I'm looking through a photo album of somebody's precious memories and they feel so (laughs) alive to me. I love the stories that they tell and I think that's something that I'm striving to do in my work and that I've kind of poked at a little bit is moving from Mm -hmm just a study of this animal or this object or this body part and creating a whole story. And actually, I'm 
I'm trying to create more narrative things. You do comics, and that's something I'm mm-hmm. totally incapable of. I think it's just a, I think it's harder to make comics than to do any other kind of art. <laughs> if you draw poorly, then you know there's a little less pressure. Like everything looks like I've drawn it with my left hand. It's not really about the drawing. That's interesting because I like your drawings that you do there. They, <laughs> they have a really nice quality to them. And I think what you were saying about just doing art and not caring about the quality and just sitting down to do it and then you end up liking it anyway. I feel like anytime uh-huh. you lower the pressure in art, it makes things better. Like anytime I, you stop yeah. beating yourself up or stressing about it, it's better. But why is that so hard to do? I know. It's true, though. That's that's definitely very true. Do you also feel like before you quit your job, there was less pressure on your art and you could just do it without any goal? Yeah, definitely. There was less pressure because I don't have to think as much about, is this going to sell? And, you know, are people going to like it? But I still make sure to set some time to just paint things purely for me, which is important. And you never try to sell those? You know, they often end up being some of my most wanted pieces because <laughs> it's just like I'm winning it. I'm doing what I really care about, even if it's just like, you know, my boots or something and something that I don't think normally people would care about. I think that's a really good lesson to take away from this. I'm going to think about that because I often decide what to draw based on all these imposed factors and judgments that I imagine other people might have you know like oh well that's that's not interesting enough or she's done something like that before or I can't relate to that or that's boring probably if I just drew what excited me and what interested me I think you're right that maybe it's not some mystical quality that comes through but maybe just the drawing is better more interesting because I cared more about it because I wasn't just slogging through it because I feel like someone forced me to yeah exactly You're going to see the passion behind it. Okay, I feel really inspired. (laughs) Is there anything that you are going to do in the near future that you want to talk about? Any plans on the horizon? Yes, I have a couple of shows coming up. When it rains, it pours. And I have three different shows all kind of crossing over each other. One is at the Harrington Gallery in Pleasanton, California. And I have a hallway gallery exhibit. And I will be showing a lot of food paintings. I'm picking out 10 of my best food paintings. And while you're there, I have two pieces in the California Art Club Outdoor Treasures Bay Area Park show. And then I have a show coming up at Studio Gallery in San Francisco. And it's a small group show with Rob. Terry and Kate Berenjos. I I hope I'm pronouncing her last name right. And lastly, I know it's a lot, I have a show at Four Barrel on Valencia in San Francisco. It's a small group show for planar paintings. The busiest time in your career, you were doubting whether you wanted to continue. It sounds like you're really getting your stride. <laughs> well, it sounds great and all, but even with all these shows, I still feel like it's impossible like I don't know how I'm gonna do it like the amount of money I spent on framing alone is astronomical and it's just hard to make the the money back but it is exposure and it's nice to be seen and recognized by collectors and other people in the area yeah I guess the hope is that that will lead to more opportunities that will then 
pay better and require less work. I'm hoping it'll snowball and, you know, more opportunities will open up, but it's definitely been a, been a bit of a struggle. But I, I will say I think you're doing better than a lot of artists are. Like, I think you're having a lot of success, <laughs> even if you can't see that yourself. Uh, thank you. Thanks for listening to Hatchling. This was a really fun episode for me to make, and I'm looking forward to doing more interviews like this in the future. If you also enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you left a rating and a review. That makes a big difference to me, and I always appreciate it when I see that somebody's done that. If you have an idea for an episode, if you have any question you've been meaning to ask about what it takes to be an artist, I'd love to hear from you. So just reach out to me at brian at I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys think. 